0: Whoa. Good to see you. I'm here. <laughs> it's good to be here. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. Uh, Cindy and I uh, and several of us were at a conference in Fort Worth uh, over the week of November 5th. No wait, sorry, November 1st through 3rd. I'm losing track. Uh, we were there and that's where my son and daughter-in-law live and so we stayed over the following week because uh, our Son and daughter-in-law were expecting our second grandchild, and I tried to scramble and bring a picture, but I, I didn't. I, I thought about it as I was walking out the door, tried to do some things, couldn't, couldn't pull it off. I'm not that technically adept, so I apologize because he's really cute. <laughs> Jeremy Warren uh, is his name. He's our second grandson. We really enjoyed the time. Talked to Cindy yesterday. She stayed on. To help with the baby and and to help take care of things, and she's grown attached, so she's she's sad that she has to leave hopefully she at some point turns the corner and will be glad to see me when she <laughs> comes back i'm I'm really hoping that's the case, but uh, we've really had a good time. God's really blessed us with those two boys. Blake, our older grandson is adjusting, and uh, he's he's dealing with it. What can you say? Um, Also, last week, I was in Alhambra at our our other campus. We're having monthly services there, and so as many of you know, we're adding that campus so that we can include as many family and friends in that area in the life of Church in the Valley, and uh, we're aiming to raise $75,000 for the campus. I haven't mentioned this in a while. I just wanted to give you an update. Our goal, 75,000. The last report, which is about a month ago, was 68,000, and now we're currently at 72,000. So, if you'd like to give to that, uh, you're you're still able to do so. Just put it on the uh, the envelope, the giving envelope, or send it in. That'd be great. Thanksgiving, personally, my estimate of Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving holiday. I, just, I love it because gratitude is such an important thing in our lives. It's so crucial to our well-being. And I'm, I'm grateful for very many things. And I'm, I'm grateful that God's blessed me with this congregation lead. You guys are great. I'm grateful for the family he's blessed me with. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the, the grandson that was just born. They, they, say he, they say he looks a little bit like me. Uh, few people said that. You know, you know, the baby's born, you go, huh, I think he looks like, you know, them. I think he looks like them. You know, you get all kinds of opinions. The crybaby part is, is certainly like me. Okay, I mean, that, that's a lot like me. I get that. But anyway, I'm very grateful for all that God has provided us. I mean, our country, we, we put together gifts to send to other countries because God has blessed us with the freedom to live here and to, to serve him and to follow him. Very, very high on my list of things that I'm grateful for is the Word of God, the Bible. God's provided us in that book, His living Word, His Word that comes alive as we get into it. And we're talking about, in this message series, Alex launched it last week, we're talking about the foundation that the Word of God, the Bible, provides. For our lives, Jesus said it this way. This is what he said. This is our theme verse for the series. It says, build your house on the rock. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose and the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built, But the one who hears and does not do do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. Jesus is saying something very important here. We we need to grasp what he's saying. We don't normally look at life this, this way, but what he's saying is as we adopt ideas and principles for living they become the very foundation of our life that we build on. We build on the foundation of the ideas that we adopt and adapt to our lives, the principles that we buy into, they become this foundation. We're either intentional or unintentional about this. We may not give it a thought, but over time, our ideas and our principles solidify like concrete in a basic foundation for approaching life, for making our choices, dealing with challenges, facing trouble in relationships and responsibilities. This this is the foundation. Here's the effect of this foundation. It's what Jesus is saying. We make decisions about how we're going to raise our kids, how we're going to build our business or our career, how we're going to handle our schooling, how we're going to plan for retirement, how we'll relate to our husband and wife, husband or wife. And and these things have long-term ramifications. Over the course of our lives, they will impact whether we experience the blessing of God or not, or whether we experience frustration because of the foundation that we laid and the foundation that we built. Now, it's scary how we approach this decision at times about the foundation we're going to build on. We base our foundation and our ideas and principles that we build on from things we've gathered through the media, through the opinions of others, through random thoughts about life as we're struggling with trying to deal with it. And we may never take the time to think it all the way through. This, this idea, this principle that we're, we're adopting, that we're buying into, that we're making a part of our life, how is that going to play out over the course of years and decades in my life? How How is that going to go? Actually, trying to figure that out, sitting down and thinking through every idea and every principle that I buy into and how that's going to play out, that, that overwhelms me. Does it overwhelm you? I don't know. It makes my chest tight. I, I get a little, oh, I can't imagine doing that. I would spend all my time thinking through the ideas and principles that I'm dealing with and trying to decide how they're going to play out. I I can't do that. I need another vantage point. I don't have the vantage point to pull that off. I can't think it all the way through. I I need some help there. With the arenas of life that most concern us, things like parenting, building a career, or a ministry, or a business, we won't find out whether or not the ideas and principles that we're buying into are right for decades. This, this is a big span here. This, the, the things that we're doing now are going to show up in the outcome in years to come. So we desperately need perspective that goes beyond our own And gives us a compass to guide us in the right direction. Perspective and guidance that we can trust. And Jesus shows us where to get it. We may not all buy into it, but this is what he's saying. He's saying the key issue for my stability and success in life is this. Will I place my confidence in the Bible as God's word to be my guide? Am I going to put my confidence in it? Am I going to put my faith? in the scripture, and live the way he says to live there. Ideas matter. The principles that we buy into are critical for our lives. In fact, they're like seeds that get planted in our hearts and minds, and over time they grow into things of beauty, that or things that bear fruit that we can enjoy, or they grow into weeds that we've got to deal with, or even Poison things that ruin life later on, for instance, we buy into a principle uh, about parenting, something like uh, just we 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 read something, we hear something, and we buy into that principle about how to raise our kids. We live that out. kids are very young. we aren't going to know if the framework we're using to raise our kids is is the right foundation for 15 or 20 years. The, the ideas and principles that we're buying into matter. They have a tremendous impact on our lives. What, what foundation of ideas and principles are you building your life on? How, how can you know whether or not it's the right one? These are core questions to consider, and Jesus, as he always does, he's highlighting the core for us. He's highlighting the very central things that we need to think about in order to live a life of blessing. We've got to understand these things. Now, he says God's word is the only sure foundation for life. Not all of us buy into that. This requires a confidence in the Bible that means I'm willing to read it, try to understand what it says, and live it. Not all of us have that. I've heard, in my line of work, I've heard a lot of objections to the Bible. Maybe maybe you've heard some of these. You know, the Bible's just a fairy tale. It's just full of fairy tale stories meant to teach lessons on character and uh, morality. That's what it is, sort of like Aesop's Fables or Grimm or Mother Goose, but maybe at a higher level. But still, there's just a moral to the stories, and it has some really good principles, some good ideas. It's one of the options. Maybe you've heard that. I actually was telling the story of David and Goliath in in a sermon one time, and I looked down, and a gal who was new to the church and just checking out Christianity had a smirk on her face. And I thought, I may never see her again. Because she thought I was crazy for believing that story of David and Goliath because I was teaching it as history. Which brings us to another, another question. How, how do we know that people didn't just make that stuff up? H- how do we know that? The Bible's full of mistakes. You ever heard that one? Yeah, it's full of errors. It's, it's just full of them. Especially in regard to history. You can't really trust it. And then science and the Bible are so incompatible. How can we buy into it? Bibles, And then when you get into the Bible, some people come up with things like this, and I, I felt this as well. The Bible is so hard to understand, it's confusing. The Bible we have today, another objection, I, I haven't had so much, uh, but I did research at one point just to find out for myself. The Bible we have today isn't what the original authors wrote, so we can't trust it. So anyway, there's an endless amount of questions that raise objections to putting your confidence in the Bible. So here's how I want to start the message, and then we're going to get into some more practical things about building our life on the foundation. But I want to start by looking at Reasons for Confidence in the Bible. And if you're investigating Christianity, if you're checking out what it means to follow Christ, this will provide an outline. There is no way I can answer these questions and no way I can thoroughly deal with the subject matter. That would take, uh, you know, a couple days' seminar. Um, But I want to give you an outline that you can use to dig into and begin to discover uh, the, the reasons for confidence in the Bible. Some of these points that I'm making are found in The Case for Faith, the book that we give away to first-time guests. If you have these questions and you'd like the answers, there's a really good section in that book that you can dig into. And it, it, it's under the title, Can the Bible Be Trusted? So you can dig in there and look. But first of all, here's a reason. It's unity. Now, this isn't going to flat-out prove anything, but... Uh, I'm going to quote Norman Geisler, a Bible scholar who is interviewed in that book, The Case for Faith. And this is what he says. The Bible is 66 books written in different literary styles by perhaps 40 different author- authors with diverse backgrounds over 1,500 years. But unfolds one continuous drama with one central message. That points to a divine mind that the writers claim inspired them. Now that that is not going to convince you, but you add it with the other things, and it begins to make sense. If you have a heart, by the way, that's one of the, the prerequisites for knowing the truth about the Bible and about Christianity. Jesus said in John 7:17. 7, it's not in your outline, but he said, if any man's will is to do his will, God's will, then he'll know whether my teaching is from my authority or, or, or not, from God's authority or whether I'm just speaking on my own. That's how you know. You have to get decide, I'm going to do this. I'm going to live this way. And if it's true, I'm going to base my life on it. That's, that's, a, pre, that's a prior decision to obey that we have to make if we're going to understand the Scripture, even if we're going to understand how true it is. So that's, that's pretty important. So first of all, one reason, it's unity. Secondly, it's historical accuracy and archaeology combined with that that keeps proving the historical accuracy of the Bible. Over and over, the Bible's been considered in error regarding things like historical dates or the nations that it mentions. One example is in the Old Testament, it mentions the Hittites, the nation of the Hittites. For a long time, secular historians thought the Bible was wrong on that point because they didn't there was no evidence that this nation of Hittites ever existed whatsoever well in 1906 archaeologists unearthed evidence that proved the Hittites existed not only did that nation existed not only did they uncover that that capital city but 40 others that were a part of the Hittite empire this this happens over and over again when it comes to the Bible. This is what Geisler said, there have been thousands, not hundreds, thousands of archaeological finds in the Middle East that support the picture presented in this biblical record. Miraculous confirmation is another reason to have confidence in the Bible. There's two ways, through the prophecies, that it's miraculous that somebody could make a specific prophecy hundreds of years before the event and it come true in the life of someone on the world, the history of world, the world history stage. Um, So one of the ways is prophecy is miraculous, and then miracles themselves. This is what Geisler said. The Bible is the only book in the world that has precise, specific predictions that were made hundreds of years in advance and that were literally fulfilled. We're going to talk more about that. Uh, in the last message of this series related to the birth of Christ. Miracles in the scripture are the other miraculous confirmation. And the miracles were attested by eyewitnesses, especially the ones done by Jesus. If they weren't accepted, they would have been refuted because the scripture, the Bible that was written, came out in, in the lifetime of the people who were living during his day. So the Bible would not have even continued to be taken seriously if it wasn't written in that time period and if there weren't eyewitnesses who attested to what Jesus said. Even his critics had seen the work that he'd done. And again, I don't have time to go into all this, but I'm giving you the outline because this is an important decision. This is crucial for your well-being. You're building your life on a foundation and I'm trying to make a case for you to investigate if you're not completely confident in the scripture. I'm trying to make a case for you to investigate it and ask God to show you, ask God to help you gain the confidence that you need to put your your life on the line to build your life on that foundation. Another reason to believe is the number of manuscripts remaining. When you deal with a historical document and the historical accuracy of an ancient document is tested by two things. The length of time from the original copy, uh, from the original to the earliest copy, and then the the number of manuscripts in existence. Now, we study Plato and Aristotle. We don't doubt that that what we have was actually written by them. There are less than 10 copies of each of those writers in existence. The time that elapsed from the original to the copy that we have is 1,200 years and 1,400 years, respectively. In terms of the New Testament, we have 24,000 copies of the original. The time that elapsed from the original writing to the copy that we have is 25 to 40 years. There's some reason to have confidence in... The historicity of the Bible. The testimony of eyewitnesses. I've mentioned this. Uh, you test a document by the ability of the writers to, to tell the truth. They were there. It's there. You pull all of these things together. And with my first point and with this point, it has transforming power. This is why I'm, it's so high on my list of things I'm grateful for. Because it really changes People if they take it seriously and allow God to use his word to change their ideas and principles, and if they build their lives on those ideas and principles, what a difference. This is what Geisler said. Uh, it renews people, gives hope, courage, purpose, wisdom, guidance, and power. It's an, it's an anchor for the lives of those who read it and live it. It is a foundation. I found this to be true. Many, many thousands of people have as well. And so if you are investigating what it means to follow Christ, this is a great place to start. I've included in the next steps on the handout in the back, there are two books that are very helpful for looking into Christianity and into the scriptures. First one is More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. That's a very easy read. It's a short book, very easy to read, but he deals with some of these things in there. Um, and then the case for faith or the case for Christ. The case for Christ is longer. Case for faith, that's a little more meaty. But uh, also very, very helpful if you really want to dive in. You can go on Kindle right now and get them together for $8.99. <laughs> it's a compilation. That's a pretty good price, $8.99 for two books. But you can you can get those books and really dig in because... Confidence in the Bible is a crucial thing. Whether or not I believe the the Bible is the Word of God for me and my life today is a critical choice we make, maybe the critical choice, it dramatically impacts our stability and success. You, You can't really follow Jesus. You can't follow Christ without this foundational belief. When you decide to follow Christ, what you're saying is, I'm going to do what he says, and I'm going to make his word my guide. If we try to follow Christ sort of half-hearted, halfway, and we leave some of our own ideas in place about life, there are going to be cracks in the foundation. And under the stress and strain of life, it crumbles. So what I'm talking about is crucial for our well-being. And that's why I'm digging into it. That's why we're doing this series. A follower of Christ demonstrates their confidence in the Word of God by keeping it, by keeping God's Word. Jesus is very clear on how his followers approach the Word of God. John John 8 says, Jesus then said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That word continue, it means you hear the word of Christ, you read the word of Christ, and you follow through to do it. You don't just get stuck at, at hearing it or reading it, but you actually intend to live this way. We keep it in mind long enough to understand it, to think through what it means and what God is saying to us through it. Then we put it into practice. This is the way to freedom. Alex talked about the application bridge last week. We ask God for help. God, help us to bridge from what you say here to my life today. At one point in his history, Jesus uh, displayed his power by healing a man who was mute, and that that muteness was caused by a demon, so he cast out the demon. The man was healed. And he followed up with some teaching to clarify what just happened. I mean, if that kind of happens in a crowd, people are wondering, hey, how'd that, how'd that happen? So he followed it up with some teaching to clarify. And in the middle of that, out of the blue, a woman bursts out and says this, blessed is the woman that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. And I, you know, if I'm speaking, some woman breaks out with that. I'm like, you know, <laughs> Well, Jesus, he, he could only have one mom and he was trying to include others in what was going on. So this is what Jesus says. He shifts the focus away from his mother, only one, who was chosen by God for her role. And he points out that everyone can find the blessing of God. It's available to everyone and here's how. He said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is all through his teaching. The word keep in here, in in this verse right here, it means to guard it. To make sure that you don't lose it. You're, You're guarding it. You're keeping it. You're watching over it. You're making sure you don't forget it or lose it. When you hear God's word to you, you do whatever it takes to hold on to it so that you can put it into practice. In another place, Jesus says that keeping God's word is the way to demonstrate your love for him. Look at John 14:21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. We want to know Christ. This is how you do it. You get into his word, and you do it. You live it out. You, try, you, you put it into practice. That's how you get to know him, and that's how you demonstrate your love to him. You get the idea from these passages that keeping God's Word, knowing it, understanding it, guarding it so that you don't forget it and lose it is at the core of what it means to follow Christ. This is at the core. So let's look in the remainder of our time, let's look at how do we keep God's Word? What does it take to keep it? How do we do that? First of all, We remember it and follow through to do it. Alex talked a lot about this. But you ever give instructions to a a kid or a teen and you know they're they're not paying attention? They're not intending. They're going to do it their way. That's, That's what James warns against. Don't read it and be thinking about other things. Be distracted and lose it. Hang on to it. He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer that forgets, but a doer that acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The blessing doesn't come from showing up here on Sundays and hearing. It doesn't come from reading. There's no magical religious activity that we take, that we do, that we take like a pill that turns out and grows the blessing in our life. It's actually found as we read it, try to figure out how it applies to us, ask God to speak to us, which he faithfully does, and then live it. That's where the blessing is. You know, we set reminders. I set some on my phone. Remind me 10 hours ahead and one hour ahead, whatever. We set reminders. We, we write post-it notes. We put them all over the place. We, we do all kinds of tricks with ourselves to remember the things we really need to re- remember. So we don't forget to do what's important. James says, if you want to be blessed, don't forget to do what God says in his word. That's what it takes to build a foundation. We need to do that very same thing with the Word of God. Number two, to keep God's Word, refuse to develop my own interpretation. St Peter 1, 20 through 20-21 says, First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Because no prophecy ever came by the impulse of man, but men moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. I've heard people say, well, th- that's your interpretation. I'm glad for you. I'm glad you think, think that way. That's your interpretation. But I know there are many ways to interpret one Bible passage. It is true there are many interpretations, but there's only one correct interpretation. You can choose to interpret it however you want, but there's only one original intent and meaning behind any given passage. There are all kinds of applications. The way God works is he's he's packed his word with these truths and principles that have many, many facets to the applications to our life. But there is one correct interpretation. So if you want to keep God's word, you set your heart to figure out what that is. Keeping God's word means that I learn to interpret it the way that God has intended. And it's not it's not that muddy. What makes what muddies up the water of interpreting the Bible is we don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, we read something we're like, "Oh, I don't know, oh, that's tough. That's going to be really hard. I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that or not." So then we get confused. It gets muddy when we don't want to do it, so we're tempted to twist it to fit our own ideas. Which brings us to number three, to keep God's Word. Don't twist it for my convenience. I don't do that. I get into God's Word, and I try to do it. If, I, I'm not going to read through it, and I'm not going to tell the story in in full. If you read through Matthew 15, 1 through 9, uh, you see Jesus, who was very critical, critical of the hypocrites of his day, lambasting the religious leaders, the Pharisees, who had taken a little piece of the word of God, they added their own tradition to it, and they made it so they could avoid the responsibility of taking care of their aging parents. Jesus let them have it for that. They twisted it for their own convenience. Jesus strongly condemned this. And then 2 Peter says, as he does in all his letters and when he speaks in, in them of these matters, there are some things that are hard to understand. There are. He's talking about Paul. There are some things that are more difficult to understand. Most of it's very clear. Which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So we have people, we have this temptation to twist it. And the truth is, if we're going to build our foundation on the Word of God, We we must build our framework for life, our categories in our mind, from the Bible. And not try to fit the Bible and what it says into our framework and our categories. That only only sets a foundation that is very weak. For example, the the Bible doesn't place a very high value on self-esteem. might shock you. It, It doesn't. But the Bible places a very high value on self-respect. Now, this is a huge decision if you're a parent. Because if you believe that self-esteem is a a very high priority in your child's life, you parent one way. If you believe self-respect is a very high priority, you parent another way. This is a 20-year decision that you're making for your kids. It can impact generations. Crucial stuff. If we try to adapt the Word of God to our own ideas and our own lifestyle, you don't experience the blessing that God intends. To the extent that we do that, it leaves cracks in our foundation. Very weak spots in our foundation. To keep the Word of God and build my life on it, I must finally let it change my mind and my ways. I have to submit to it. We don't really like that word, submit. In fact, it's not really in the mainstream of discourse these days. Uh, we, we don't, if it is, it's in derision. You know, yeah, We don't like that. But we need to submit to it. Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We let God's word change the way we think, the way we live, what we do. This is the key decision in all of life. This is the key decision in terms of how you're going to follow Christ. All the others fit into this one. This is big. Here it is. Am I above the Bible? Do I put myself above it and do I judge it? Or am I below the Bible and do I allow it to judge me? Crucial decision. A follower of Christ submits to God's word, and makes it their judge. That's what it means to follow Christ. To the extent that we forget, to the extent that we develop our own interpretation, twist the word to feel better about ourselves and our wrongdoing, when we don't let it change us, there are cracks in the foundation of our lives and it begins to slide down the hill. You can feel it starting to slide. You can feel the slide beginning to happen. Jesus is saying, in our theme verse the way to greater stability and success the right kind of success in life is to put your confidence in the Word of God and keep it in other words think it and live it as the band comes up I'd like to ask you if you would to think through your next steps If you would pull out your connection card uh, that we talked about earlier that Alex mentioned uh, you could finish completing any information that you haven't had a chance to fill out or next steps that I'm going to mention or that he mentioned earlier. And when the offering comes around, you could place that in the offering. That'd be great. First next step, aim to keep God's word by. Circle one of those. Look back through the, the how to keep God's word points, the four points. Circle one of those. Which do you struggle with the most? What is it that you really need to work on? Um, Remembering it, uh, not trying to interpret, being, being better at interpreting it the way it was originally intended, not twisting it, or just letting it change me. What is it, what is it that you're, you're working through right now? Another step could be to investigate the Bible's credibility for myself. There's the books, More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell, The Case for Christ or The Case by, for Faith by Lee Strobel. That's great. What I'd like to do this morning, um, before we uh, worship God with some praise, is if if you would like to, I'd like to ask you to pray aloud with me this psalm. If if you want to ask God to help you keep His word this morning, pray this with me out loud. Let's let's pray. Give me understanding that I may keep Your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Oh God, may you do that for us. May you help us. We need your help even to want to do many times what we find in your word. Holy Spirit, fill us and guide us and help us to do what you've laid on our heart to do this morning. And as we get into the Word, make it a, help, help us make it a pattern and a practice to change our minds and our ways to fit what you say about life, God. We ask for your help in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. Amen.